Hey guys, this is Person About Town, now presented by the Women in Comedy Festival. Uh, and this week we've got a guest I've been trying to get on for a while, and she's going to tell you who she is and where we are. Right. Hello. I'm so excited. I am Selena Kopik, um, and I grew up just outside of Boston in Weston, Massachusetts. Um, and we are at my favorite place, in New- one of my favorite places in New York, Grupo Thin Crust Pizza. It's Avenue B between 6th and 7th Streets, um, and it's delicious thin crust pizza, great beer, wine, really like charming decor. Yeah. And I've been coming here since I moved to New York 10 years ago. 10 years ago? Yeah. Like, what month did you move in? Oh, I moved, oh my gosh, September... Wait, more than 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, like I'm crunching numbers. Now. Yeah. It was September 06. Okay. Yeah, because I planned it around. I had to go to a wedding in New Jersey, and then I moved in. Wow. Um, and when I first moved in, I lived on the Upper East Side in my uncle's apartment for free for that two years. Sounds really nice. I know. I have had a pretty lucky situation here. Everyone's like, New York will kick you in the ass. I'm like, unless your uncle's rich, and then you find a rent-stabilized apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> I'm so lucky. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I lived there for two years, and around that time, I uh, yes, yeah, so I lived there for two years, and then I moved out to Brooklyn to South Park Slope, where I've lived since then, same apartment. Um, and I guess it was so it was must have been, yeah, it must have been '08. It was summer '08 when I moved out to Brooklyn, and right around that time, I started doing a show and producing it with Julia Rossi, who's a Boston comedian too, and my friend Heidi Edsel, who moved out to LA. She's a storyteller, but we produced a show on Avenue B at the old location of Grupo's. Of Grupo, this place. So this pizzeria used to be at like B and like 12th Street. And there used to be this dump of a venue called Luca Lounge that was B. Yeah, it used to be around and there were a bunch of shows there. It was great. It was B just south of 14th Street. So, you know, about a block away. Like, And I would often go there before the show and like go over my notes, write some jokes, eat some pizza. And the bartender there, I think is the same guy here. Let me just turn around. Oh, he's not working today, okay. but he still works, and he's also a professional uh, eater, which is like a, like, like hot dogs, oh, competitive. Okay. Like, not like, oh, not like, <laughs> not like webbed. A yeah, yeah. No, like um, I mean those stuff where it's what's that called? We're competitive oh, eating. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool. I know it's weird, but he's like normal size. Yeah, okay. handsome guy. I mean, like cool dude, and it's weird because we've been like friendly for literally a decade. So whenever I come in, he's like, hey. but like we've never really chatted intensely, right. you know. But it's like a nice friendly acquaintanceship, yeah. sort of light friendship, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah, so I used to go there all the time, and it was in this sort of hallway. They had a great jukebox, and then I guess their rent was increased. Story of New York. Yeah. Um, and then they relocated to here, and and I was so glad. I was like, they stayed on B. They yeah. just moved a couple blocks down, and now they have more space. It's beautiful. It's a really nice place. Yeah. Hey, you're <laughs> I, I don't want him to think like he can't come over here because I'm I'm excited to try this pizza. Like, Mark, should we throw him awkward looks? Hi. I feel so bad. <laughs> like I, I know. Because I'm, I'm like, am I giving like a welcoming look or like a crazy? Person? I know, yeah. and I don't want them to think I'm unfriendly. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I was on a date recently, and it was almost comical. We're literally sitting at the bar and like trying to catch the attention of the bartender. And everyone, bartender, and everyone behind us is getting served, and we're just like, okay, okay, and like we're trying to be polite, but it's like you're much too polite. You know, <laughs> what are you doing? God. How? Have you found the New York dating scene as compared to the Boston dating scene? Oh, gosh. <laughs> They're all terrible. <laughs> um, I, don't, I mean, it's funny because I lived in Boston. Um, uh, I went to college in upstate New York, Hamilton. And then I lived in Chicago for a year. And I found dating in Chicago to be pretty difficult, actually. It was just, I think Chicago, 
it draws all these people who go to Big Ten schools and they all know each other and they all date each other. So I don't know, in Chicago, I just felt like a real outsider like the whole time, which was too bad. Um, didn't have much luck with dating there. Then moved home to my parents in the suburbs, then lived in Southie for like three years, which was like oh, oh 03 or 04 until 06. Um, and I dated a little bit, but I think I just met a lot of guys who were sort of like, weasels you know I mean I don't you know like I just think a lot of those guys like one guy like sent me a dozen roses but then kind of ghosted me and it's like it was just a lot of really big up and down where I was like what is going on you know like exactly yeah I was like don't waste your money sending me flowers if you really don't like me it seems you know like so weird oh here should we order some pizza if we can hey yes I think we're going to do, I'm such a, I'm so, I always do the same thing. Um, and I, then I bring new friends here. I know, true, it always works. And friends always love it. Um, so we're going to do a large, half shroom town, half big pineapple. Is that a popular one? The shroom town is probably our most popular. Oh, really? Yeah. I like them all. The only one I don't actively recommend is the Giardino, and that's just because it's a bunch of vegetables. It's just kind of boring. Yeah, snooze. Yeah. Anything for you to drink? Uh, no, not yet. Great, thank you. I'm so excited. You're going to love it. Also, I love thin crust pizza, which also maybe that's part of why I didn't really jive with Chicago. <laughs> Chicago, it's like, do you want to get in a jacuzzi of cheese? That's what we call a pizza. Like, Grrr. But it's so... I'm like, why can't you make any friends in this town? I'm like, I hate it. Where are we? Fucking Illinois. You know, I think I was a little bit of a brat when I was there. But, but um, yeah, I felt like, I don't know, I felt like I didn't have great luck in Boston. But also, it was that weird age of, like, 23 to 26, oh, yeah. you know, when, like, some people are, like, locking it down and getting married, and some people are like, everything in life is a joke, you know? And I was sort of of the latter group, you know? I was just like, I date people who are ridiculous, you know? Um, and then I moved to New York at 26, and I did some pretty sad online dating initially. Like, I think I just didn't know really how to do it. And, like, I went out with some weirdos, like, just on, like, a one-and-done situation, but still, like, why did I even waste 45 minutes of my life, you know? But I also, it took me a while to even, like, find the comedy community find my people like fit in there so I think initially I was sort of just like floating and was like okay I'll go on a date whatever and you know like didn't have a lot of luck um also I mean I think that New York draws a lot of like you know bro dudes who want to work in finance and all that stuff and I'm like allergic to that I mean like that's not my type at all and uh, when I first, when I lived on the Upper East Side, that's where I met a lot of those guys. And it was weird because they always thought they were going to, like, impress me and that I was going to like that. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I hate you, you know? So it's weird. Um, and, I mean, I often think, like, dating comedians make sense, you know? People, so many comedians are like, oh, you know, don't shit where you eat. But, like, we're the people who understand this lifestyle and this, you know, and what even is a step forward, whereas, like, a civilian might be like, oh, you know, Montreal edition, what's that? You know, and it's like... Exactly. You know, it's like, oh, I just, I like to date people who I don't have to explain everything to yeah. them, you know? Like, be like, well, Mr. Show was a great television show, you know, like, um, But, yeah, so it's all been, like, I don't know, not that great. But I do try to just keep, like, an open heart and an open head about it, you know? Like, who knows who you're going to meet? Like, I mean, two weeks ago, I was at Red Sox-Yankees game at Yankee Stadium, and in the bar after, I met this, like, super cute firefighter, and we've gone on two dates, and he's, like, a totally great guy. I know. So I'm like, you never know, you know, just look good constantly, you know. <laughs> 
So no pressure. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't feel. I do feel a lot of pressure because like. He, Boston was voted, like, one of the least fashionable cities in the country. And, like, I think it's, like, next to, is it Philadelphia or Pittsburgh for, like, ugliest? So, like, the standard for, like, how to look in Boston is totally different. Like, yes. moving here, it's like, oh, I have to get new clothes all of the time. I can't just, okay. No. Yeah. I know. And it's, like, so fashion forward. Like, I take risks here with fashion that I would never take in Boston, yeah. you know. Or, like, I'll see a trend immediately. And, like, if I go back to Boston for Christmas, a year later, maybe it's kind of trickled out. And I'm like, oh, my God, a year ago we were doing that, and it's already out, you know? It's, it's so fast. I know. It's nuts. And so how long have you been here? Six months. Oh, okay, six months. Yeah, so I'm still like, wow. Yeah, it's still, because it takes a while to even, like, get your bearings, learn all the different subway stuff, you know. I mean, I was a tour guide years ago on the Sex and the City bus. I was going to ask, because the way that you, like, opened, it was like, I talked to a lot of comedians, and they're presenters in that way, but you talk in a way that's, like, very present, like, it was very clear, enunciated. Yeah, I was like, that was, you've done some presenting professionally, yes. Yes, yes, somewhat. And hosting was so great, because, yeah, I do think, like, I think that, and I need to, I think I need to be more mindful of that, like, how I'm perceived on stage of, like, I think I try to be like, I'm your best friend. Also, let's follow me, because I have information to share, you know what I mean? Which, like, so being a tour guide was great. And and it really helped me to learn the city, you know? Like, I started doing it when I moved, pretty much, it's so funny, I feel like I made a lot of changes once I moved out to Brooklyn and, like, kind of just felt like I was more of a normal person, not, like, living in this mansion on the Upper East Side, strangely enough, you know? But, um, so I was a tour guide there pretty much 08 to, gosh, maybe 2012, um, because I quit when I got my book deal, but I, it was such a great way to learn the city, because, like, I had to know where we were going, like, if the, if the street was closed, I mean, the bus drivers were so amazing, and they knew exactly what to do, but, you know, I had to at least be like, okay, you know, we're going to hop off here, you guys are going to meet me three blocks over in 20 minutes, and, you know, like, so I really had to learn, especially the West Village, which yeah. is, like, uh, I mean, mystery, like, it's not a normal, it doesn't make, you know, like, right. below Houston, I mean, it, you know, yeah. it's crazy. But it's like a tilted grid, yeah. and yeah, and like, and then suddenly you have names instead of just numbers, and then sometimes they don't make sense. Like, there's the Burger Place Corner Bistro, which I love, but it's literally at the corner of like, it's right near Eighth Avenue, and it's the corner of basically Twelfth Street and Fourth Street by Eighth Avenue, which makes no sense. I have, I've gotten those there before, and I was yeah. like, but I was just on Tenth, and it says I'm on Fourth. I know it makes no sense. I remember a friend took me there once, and he gave me the. He's like, "Here's where it is. Like, it's one of the best burgers." And I literally, I was like, "Is this a setup?" I was like, "This seems like a real trick, you know." And he's like, "No, I assure you, this exists." And I was like, "Right, tenth, or you know, like twelfth and fourth, and what, you know." And he's like, "No, I swear it does." Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh man, crazy. That sounds tasty. I, I love burgers. Uh, I'm gonna have to get. Yes. Yeah, I'll, oh, I'll give one. you all the info. Okay. Uh, what do I want to ask? You? Okay, book deal. Tell me about that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was weird. It um. It kind of, I kind of like fell into it backwards. So I've always on my blog, and I still do, I, re I write recaps of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, which I love. I mean, talk about a labor a lot. Like, this show's so dumb, but I love it. And I have like an encyclopedic knowledge of it because I've been watching it so long. So a few years ago, my old college sorority sister, who was a literary agent, um, she was out for drinks with a friend of hers who was an editor at HarperCollins, and they're both blonde, and they were drunk, and they're like, wouldn't it be funny to do to ha like have a book that's like called The New Rules for Blondes, and it's just like blonde, yeah, yeah. funny stuff, inspiration, trivia, stories. So, 
gosh, you know, my friend Lizzie was so lovely, and she's like, oh, my friend Selena, like, she's kind of funny, or she's like, she's funny, like, she's kind of wacko about how much she loves her hair, like, so the woman read my blog and loved it, so she took me out for drinks and was like, hey, like, I'll buy this book, it's going to be called The New Rose for Blondes, like, I just want you to basically flesh out the uh, concept, write it, everything, but like, yeah, so I, it was funny, because in some ways I felt like I really got, like, in the back door, you know, I was like, hey, I guess we got a book deal and wasn't even trying it, which is like, how insufferable is that, you know, like, people are like, I've been writing the Great American Novel my whole life, and I'm like, I fell into it by accident and kind of resented it, you know, like, like, what a monster, but, I mean, it was really neato, but it certainly wasn't anything I was like, you know, really, I mean, it was a it was a, it fell in my lap and it was such a dream but also like I delivered like I wrote this book I worked so hard on it probably we spent probably two years even just writing the proposal the proposal was kind of a beast um and we did three versions of it and then we finally like they HarperCollins bought it gave us the green light then I had like eight months to write the whole book and then we had some rewrites and in that time the acquiring editor left HarperCollins which was very stressful. Right. And so then I was assigned to a new editor who was lovely, thank okay. God. You know, so like, but I mean, Ed, there was a moment where my agent was like, I don't think they're going to drop us, but like, they probably could. You know, like, she was yeah. just like, Ugh. Um, So it was a long road. And uh, I will admit, I do feel like it kind of took my eye off the ball of stand-up a little bit, which right. I kind of resent, which I feel bad saying that. But like, you know, I, I mean, for eight months, I spent every weekend just cranking this book right. and sort of turned into a hermit, but I had to. I mean, yeah. it was it was a good exercise in learning boundaries and learning to say no to things mm-hmm. and being like, I have a project, I got to do it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that if I'd been spending those, and I was still doing stand-up, but right. like, I feel like I wasn't as focused on it. I wasn't writing a ton of stand-up material because I was writing this book, you know? Right. So I sometimes think back, I'm like, if I hadn't gotten that book deal, I wonder if... And I'd been more focused on stand-up in that time if I would be farther along. But, you know, I mean, who knows? But, you know, it's a fun book. It's still for sale. It's called The New Rules for Blondes. Uh, I know the title sounds a little bitchy. But it's just sort of funny stories because I do stand-up and storytelling. So it's a lot of, like, stories about me and my best friend Suzanne front when we lived in Southie just, like, having dumb adventures, you know, and being, like, blonde and dumb. I know. Yeah, it was yeah, it was cute. I got like mugged, but I chased the guy down and I got my shit back, you know? <laughs> or like nearly shot my pants this one time we're adding the tea, you know, like just like dumb stories, but like really fun, you know? Yeah, it was good. So wait, when did you start stand up then? In Boston? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I started in Boston in oh goodness gracious. It was when I was living in Southie. Because I'd been doing I'd done improv for yeah. years. Um and then I had a friend who ran a variety show and was like, hey, we'll take five minutes of anything. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah, I was like, I got a dumb joke about Small Wonder, which is true. That was like my first joke was all about the TV show Small Wonder. See, that's why the joke didn't work. <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, it's a cultural touchstone. Everyone knows it, right? And some audiences were like, um, what? Yeah. It was the show in the 80s about a girl who was a robot. Did you, Vicky. Okay, People have accused me on several occasions of being a robot, um, no. so they have sent me links to this show. Yes. Okay, yes. Why of being a robot? I don't uh, think you're robotic. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, because when it comes to like, when it comes to matters of the heart, I tend to be very much so like, this makes sense, this doesn't make sense, let's cut it down, like just 
Yes. Well, it's a good way to be. Yeah, just yes. so not, like, emotional, very pragmatic. Yes. Yeah, which is a good way to be. But, yeah, I mean, and I do think that, like, there's a lot of comedy fodder there. Like, she's a robot. They have another child biologically. But then they're, yeah, that's, like, their kid. But then they, like, whatever happens, they have to build a robot rather than, like, adopting. I mean, it's, like, so ridiculous. And the dad, like, builds it. And then often, like, the wires get screwy and the dad has to fix it. Like, I'm just like, what is this going on here? It was so weird. I remember watching that and also being like, I forgot how bad television used to look. Like, oh, I know. the lighting's terrible. Like, it just looks really bad. I know, because it used to be like a stage set, you yeah. know, where they're just like set up cameras and that's it. I mean, now we're so spoiled with like, oh, different angles, close ups, yeah. you know? I mean, oh my God. I watched like the first season of Six Feet Under, and it's like a, still like it's a single camera show, but like the lighting is weird and just like looks so different. Yeah. Oh, I have a friend who's thinking about doing a podcast of watching the first season of all different shows because like I mean so many shows evolve. Like the first season of Sex and the City. Oh my god, it was so bad. Like it's when she would turn to the camera and literally be like, "What do we think about that?" You know, it's like, oh god. Yeah, it was so bad. I watched that with my mom. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, we watched all of uh, Sex and the City together, like from the beginning to the end. Every Sunday we'd watch it. Oh my gosh, that was what Suzanne and I did when we lived in Southie. Yeah, Sunday nights. And then, so we'd watch a new episode Sunday nights, but then we would also watch an episode before bed every night. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was in syndication for like a long time. Yeah, yeah and she had the DVD, uh, like, you know, I mean, yeah, are you kidding me? You're not allowed to be a single woman without the like DVD whole pack, you know? Oh God. Um... But where was I going? Oh, but so yeah, got into stand-up when I was in Boston, kind of, and it was a really good timing. Like, I kind of had a falling out with some improv people uh, in this group that used to be called The Tribe that went away, um, and just felt like really misunderstood and taken for granted. Um, oh, wonderful. Hey. Pizza's here, guys. Oh, that smells really good. All right, you were not lying when you said thin crust. Oh, thank you. Thank you. This is... Thank you. Wow. Yeah, it's so thin, and it's so good. It's like a piece of paper thin, guys. Uh, come here, try it out. Thank you. I'll pause it. Enjoy. Okay, good call. I know, I was thinking, like, we'll be each other. Go, 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 Sweet. Okay, so we're back. Do you want to talk about the pizza? Yes, I do want to talk about the pizza. All right, so... I think they heard a little bit when we were ordering what the toppings were, but like, just kind of give it, like, what is what does this piece of pizza feel like? Oh my gosh. Well, so it's very thin crust, which is lovely. And we did half shroom town, a half big pineapple. So big pineapple, which is my favorite, it's tomatoes, pineapple, bacon, basil, um, and like, you know, traditional cheese red sauce. And then uh, shroom town, which apparently is their most popular, <laughs> we learned tonight. It's a few different types of mushrooms. Ooh, thank you so much. Um, truffle oil, which, like, oh, my God, who doesn't love that? I feel like yeah. it, you see truffle oil and people are just like, ah, yeah. I know. Um, and then similarly, cheese, red sauce, so, like, so good but so thin. I mean, we both just put back two slices. I feel light as a feather. <laughs> Normally I do feel, like, gross, like, that, like, post-pizza, like, oh, what have I done? But I don't feel any guilt about this. No, it's amazing. And my favorite thing to do is I always, almost always, I'm such a one-trick pony, but I almost always do half shroom down, half big pineapple. I love how I was like, um, do you think we should do that? Like, that's what I always do. That should be called the Selena. Um, but I almost always do that in a large. And then either you have slices to take for lunch tomorrow, or I used to joke around about this on stage. 
sometimes then I'll try to, we're in the East Village, I'll try to like find a homeless person and like give them my slices. But I feel like sometimes I've been like roaming, being like, where are you? Like, one time I need you, can't find you, you know? It's <laughs> so offensive. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> there, okay, so I had this big uh, event for my company and I'm responsible for like ordering food and like, handling what happens to it afterwards. So I was like, guys, take this, find this, give it to a homeless person. And the CEO was like, no, I got it. I'm going to do it. And the next day he comes in, he was like, we were wandering around <laughs> for like 20 minutes with these trays of food hoping to find a homeless person. And then we found one, but he was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with trays of food? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a bit much. You know, like, you need to make it a single serving size. And like, do you have cutlery to go with it? I mean, that's something I often try to think about is like, okay, can I make this accessible? Which is the lovely thing about slices, you know? But yeah, I've definitely been like hunting for a homeless person. And then I find one sleeping and I'm like, let's just leave it there. They'll wake up to some pizza, you know? Yeah. Goodness gracious. It's so crazy. I imagine people who... And this is this is probably insensitive, and I recognize that. But like, just based on the quality of restaurants, like in this part of town, like if you're almost here, like they, you've eaten better than I have, like you or you have like a more complicated palate than I do. Like that's a, that's crazy. That's funny. Yeah, you're like, what kind of leftovers are we talking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I know. Yeah, it's true. I mean, like, there's just. Yeah, I wonder if, if ever people are like, oh, yeah, I tend to loiter around uh, you know, a certain one spot, you know? Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know, yeah. Hey, why don't you guys order a second uh, second helping for me? Oh, man. It's so crazy. Okay, so what's that? Is that the same beer? No, this is the white wine. Yeah, so the part of the special, I guess, I'd forgotten. It was like two-for-one drinks, I guess. Yeah, which I was like, how did I forget that? So I started with a Stella, which I love. And it's like a nice thirst quencher. And then um, just, I was like, just your house white. Um, yeah, but their deals, I mean, as he was detailing before, yeah, they've got some great deals for happy hour. And the prices, I think, are generally pretty reasonable. They have a really nice red multiple Chiano that I sometimes get, especially in the wintertime. Um, and I love this place, too, because it has a beautiful bar. And so I do a lot of writing there where I'll just, like, bring my notebook, sit at the bar, have a glass of wine, or, you know, I'll, like, any, I mean, or get a small pizza for myself. Um, but it's nice. Just I always appreciate a restaurant that has a bar because I'm like, you know, New York, there's a lot of single people. You know, I mean, I could sit at a table alone, but, like, I kind of, it's, you can come and go a little quicker and easier if you can just, like, grab dinner at a bar, you know. And no one's, like... Why are you sitting here taking up this space when you're just one person? Exactly. I know. I do that a lot. Like, I work, my office currently is in sort of, it's 18th Street on the West Side Highway. Um, so sometimes I'll go down to the West Village to, like, you know, Barbuto or, like, wherever and just, like, do some writing, sit, have a glass of nice wine. Um, and, yeah, I love that with a, with a bar you can just, like, pop in, pop out. Like, and especially as a single person, like, it's almost ideal. Like, the yeah. place is probably packed and there's one seat and they can't fill it and you're like, got it, you know? It's, Exactly, I know. Or same, yeah, there's a place, Jeffrey's, that has, like, really good seafood. So I do that a lot there. That's, like, right near the duplex on um, Christopher Street. Right, uh, Christopher Street and I forget what it is, but, like, uh, Greenwich Village, kind of. Yeah. It's so impressive when you talk about it. You're like, this street, this street. I'm like, I'm still just, like, lower part of the island of it. Yeah, it takes a while. I mean, when I first moved here, I used to be like, I just ride the number subways. Yeah. Like, I just would go, I was like, don't know if I'm ready for, ready for letters yet, you know? Like, which is like, what a dumb way to divide the city. But it took me a while. And yeah, being a tour guide, really, like, that yeah. helped it big time because I learned it, like, backwards, you know? I mean, because you're on a tour, 
you know, talking to people oh, and yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. so it was kind of funny, but, but yeah, just, you know, through a sort of osmosis and just exposure to it, you're like, oh yeah, this is the area I like, I come back here, I know all these different spots, you know, it's neat. Do you think you're going to stay here forever? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you know, I think sometimes people say, like, after New York, where do you go? <laughs> you know, I mean, which maybe sounds, like, snobby. But, um, I don't know, I do like, and also I've always known I'm not going to have kids. So a lot of the, like, you know, move to the Burbs family stuff, it just never really applied for me. Um, so, yeah, I kind of like it. Also, you know, during the day I work in publishing, and, you know, most of publishing is in New York. So it does make sense. Like, I've had some ex-boyfriends sort of, like, jokingly tease me that, like, you know, why are you in New York? It's so expensive, whatever. And I'm like, this is where my industry is, you know? Like, I mean, in the same way that people are like, oh, coal miners, we bow down to you and we hope you can, you know, like, like those people aren't moving out either, you know? Like, I don't know. I think a lot of people move to where there are jobs in their industry and it's no different, you know, to be like in New York and work in publishing, you know? I like that. I like that comparison to coal miners a lot because people are like, oh, the heart of America. It's like, is that the heart of America? Because like, I mean, exactly. And like, I think we have no sympathy for a lot of other groups where it's like, you know, everyone's like, adapt, you just got to adapt. Yeah. And it's like, okay, but they don't. Yeah. And, like, and it's I... Like one industry where they don't have to change. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, the economy of America has just changed. Like, it used to be a manufacturing economy, now it's a service economy. Like, this is how it goes, yeah. you know? Um, but... But yeah, I mean, and even within publishing, we've had to adapt and change. Like, so much is more is digital. Like, I'm a total Luddite, and even I've had to learn computers somewhat more. Um, and, like, in design and, you know, yeah. like, file management programs. Um, you know, but, but yeah, I don't know. I think I might stay here forever. I mean, I used to think maybe I would end up in Boston, like, back in Boston. Um, and, you know, I still think about that, but I don't know. You know, it would depend. I do love it here, and I've been here now, like, over 10 years, which, like, makes you a real New York. Or, you know, they say, like, you become a New Yorker, I suppose. Um, although I'm sure somebody will be like, shut up, no. But I don't know. Exactly. I know. I'm like, my mom was born here, and she fled, you know. But I don't know. I do really like it, and I, I like the comedy community here, you know. Like, it's smart people. It's hardworking people. Everyone is doing different projects all the time. Like, it's just really inspiring. So how would you say that it's changed from when you moved here to now? And, like, how has your interaction with it changed? Oh, it's changed so much. I mean, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I feel like sometimes like such an old, like, old lady in the scene. But, you know, when I moved here, there was sort of my space, but not even really. So, like, it was actually very hard to connect with other comedians. It was hard to even, like, especially, you know, I mean, as a young woman, like, there's so few women on the scene that, like, it was hard to even connect with each other, which is what inspired me down the road, you know, years later after I moved here to create New York City, or NYC Lady Comics, which was this Facebook group that was created in 2011 that was, like, sort of, you know, I think one of the first Facebook groups of, like, all-female comedians based in New York, and, you know, we'll talk about issues, we'll support each other, we'll be like, hey, anyone going to a mic here, you know, we'll promote each other's shows, like, it was, and, you know, have conversations, it was a great space, but yeah, initially, like, I mean, there was no Twitter, there was nothing, so, like, you kind of couldn't even get on anyone's radar as a joke writer, you know, like, now you'll hear about people who are like, oh, yeah, they just, yeah, or, you know, yeah, somebody retweeted because they liked it, and, like, they, you know, and there was none of that, there also weren't many writing jobs in New York, like, it all it seemed like all production was done in LA and now I mean especially even for like and there's like Letterman and then there was Late Night with Fallon but you know it was pretty much it felt like it was all LA um, so the fact that more stuff is filmed here and created here is such a change you know like I mean for years I didn't know a single person who worked in TV writing and I was just like how do you do that and granted like I was young and but now I'm like I know a ton of people who work in TV writing you know like 
here in New York or they split their time between LA and New York. You know, it just seems like all of that is much easier to do. And uh, I don't know, there's just so many more opportunities, it feels like, you know, and I sometimes get kind of like, I don't know, uh, it's sort of whiny about it because I just feel like sometimes like younger comedians have no idea. Like, I think sometimes they'll look at people like me who have been around a long time and they're like, why aren't you farther along? And it's like, oh my God, the whole scene has changed so much, you know, like there, it was hard to get ahead before. And I mean, clubs used to close all the time and they still do and they still will. Like that's, it's like, I know a lot of people who got passed at, you know, certain clubs that closed or like were really plugged in at comics and then it went away or were really plugged in with this one Brooklyn Booker who moved away. Like, yeah, I mean, whenever people, I feel like sometimes I'll see younger people who I think they think they kind of got it all figured out and they're like, well, yeah, but I'm really tight with this person. And I'm like, that person could quit comedy tomorrow and they're not a booker anymore, you know, or like that club that you think is going to be your, like it could get closed tomorrow, you know, I mean, or change the booker. I mean, the bookers at a lot of these clubs like Stand Up New York, like it's, you know, there's been a lot of turnover there. Like, you know, things change and I don't know. So sometimes I just feel like, you know, everyone just, everyone will learn in time as they experience it, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, the scenes changed a lot, I think just through social media and I think through, for me, just through growing up and seeing a lot of things and seeing like, oh, I know so many really talented people who aren't getting opportunities and vice versa. And, you know, like there's no, it's not fair. You know, I mean, if you can work really hard, you can be funny as hell. Sometimes it doesn't matter, you know, and that's heartbreaking, but that's how it is, you know, and I think a lot of people love to feel like, no, 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 the universe is just, and if you, yeah, it's like, it's really not, I'm sorry, like, that's terrible, and and I think actually, recently there was, you know, some conversation about, like, uh, and I don't want to bleep out her name, but like the whole Eliza Schlesinger, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, I think that there's often this desire to say, oh, it's just that there aren't funny women out there. Yeah. It's not that there are, yeah, it's like, I think people just like to feel like the world is fair. Oh, yeah. And I get that. You know, people want to organize the world and to set, you know, to think that it's fear, that it's fair and that, you know, hard work does pay off. And like, and I I get that instinct, but like, that is not the case. And there are plenty of funny women out there who are being left behind. Right. And who don't get books because they already had one woman on the line. You know, like, these things are still actively happening. I know it's not super cool to talk about, but it is. And it's just a different ballgame. You know, I mean, in the same way when, like, um, when uh, that guy from SNL, why am I blanking, Keenan, um, Keenan, yeah, when he was like, oh, you know, black women have auditioned, but they're just not ready. Like, it was years ago before Shakira was, it was just so offensive. And it was like... I think that's something that you say when you've actually deliberately stuck your head in the sand and you actually don't know what you're talking about. And I think that happens often where like, you know, higher ups in the industry will be like, we're trying to find women. We just can't. And it's like, we are here. You are not doing your job, but we're here, you know, and we're hustling and we're working hard. Um, So sometimes I feel like that's something that like, I guess is the opposite of what's changed in the industry. Like that's always a common denominator is like, there will always be people in positions of power making decisions that are fear-based, that are dumb and that, they're not really qualified to make and like they're not even doing their jobs you know I mean whenever anyone's like we just I don't know where they are like your job exactly yeah your job is literally to seek them out like I don't know crack open a timeout New York see what's happening or go on Twitter see what's even like you know accounts that are promoting different shows like check it out you know sorry I feel like that got really negative (laughs) I just I agree and it's frustrating to see that like uh, I see it not in comedy like I do see it in comedy but I'm not at a level where it's even like affecting me really but like I work in 
startups and I've been working with startups and like training companies. So I'm in like the room when these CEOs and like the whole board is there and it's all white dudes. And they're like, we're dedicated to diversity. And it's like, they're there, just like go get them. <laughs> but like I'm at my job now, they're like, we need to bring on interns. This dude's cousin wants to work for us. And it's like, well, yeah, if we keep going with everyone's fucking cousin, it's always going to look like this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. It's so many of these like talking points of like, you know, we're committed to diversity without even thinking about like, well, can you think about the structure of how <laughs> people advance people? Like a lot of women have a hard time building 25 minutes, 45 minutes because no one wants to take a woman on the road to feature for them yeah. because then you need two hotel rooms and all, you know, like, yeah. or I mean, just generally men t t tend to help men, you know, I mean, and I always went like on the rare occasion that someone's like, hey, can you refer some friends for this? I really actively try to A, just give them women's names, but B, think about a diversity of friends and, and different voices and, you know, I mean, and I appreciate shows that book that way too. Like um, Gandhi, is that you? It's such a great yeah. show. And Lance and Brendan, like, you know, I mean, for years that show's been running for like six years, seven years, and you know, like we have a spreadsheet and we are very deliberately tracking. Like we have to have at least one woman, if not two. Yeah. You know, at least one to two people of color, at least like, just for the sake of like having a show that's interesting to watch right. that isn't. You know, it's like. I, we're not asking for some special inclusion. Yeah. It will improve your show. Yeah. I'm sorry, but eight straight white guys, there might they might end up talking about all the same to a lot of the same topics. Yeah. You know, like isn't it cool to have some different voices or like somebody who's really low energy, then somebody who's high energy, then somebody who talks about dating men, then somebody who's like, well, as an Asian woman, here's my experience. You know, like that's just better for everyone. God. I do love that just because like I've been on so many shows where like. I'm the woman or the black person and people are like oh I thought you were really funny and there's like three like two people who were on the show and two people who weren't and they can't tell the difference so they're just like you guys were all great too <laughs> oh my god that's weird. just like a wall of white men hey you know I know I just saw a photo the other day of and like you know it's people I like but it was like an assortment of people are all at this one comedy festival right now and like literally it's over a dozen white men and I'm like good god like yeah. even for optics like can you befriend like, I know come on yeah like it's just so weird to me and and that whole debate is so crazy because it's like we're not asking for any special allowance but in the same way that like you were saying the cousin gets a leg up because he's a cousin like could the playing field be somewhat level you know like I'm not asking for anything special but when you book this guy just because so-and-so vouched for him, well, hey, as a woman or a person of color, often you don't have anyone vouching for you. So, yeah. like, could you give me a shot? It's a weekly show in the back of a bar. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. really, who cares? <laughs> I'm not going to bring it to its knees. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to ruin you. Yeah. Oh, man, it's crazy. Do you want to split this one? Yes, let's do it. Holding it. Yeah, I don't, like I see, yes, it's got like structural support, but because it is just like floating in the air in front of me, I'm like, oh god, at any moment it could just. Is it once. balanced? Did it? Yeah, it was like a brand new, fresh pizza, and it, we were like at an outdoor patio table, and I think the yeah. patio tables just weren't really great, uh -huh. and it just like slipped onto the ground, and it, I felt so bad because I think the pizzeria. I don't know. I worry that they thought somehow we were like drunk and being silly, and I'm like, no, no, no. It literally it just so fell over. Yeah. yeah. Guys, this pizza is really good. Like, legit, come through. Is this close to, what is this close to? Um, 
Let's see. I mean, it's Avenue B and between 6th and 7th, so not too, it's just a few blocks so, uh, north of Houston Street okay. and near um, Tompkins Square Park, which okay. I love, which is like right there. Nice. That has a lot of my favorite dive bars in New York are over there. There's Lucy's, which is A uh, and like 8th or so. There's um, Sophie's, which is like between A and B on 5th. UCB East is right near here. Um, there's also a bar called 7B, a.k.a. Hors- Horseshoe Bar, which is like right here. Good jukebox. Um, Sophie says a great jukebox. I don't recommend the jukebox at Lucy's, but whatever. Um, yeah, I'm like, I know way too much about this. And then also near Mona's, which I love, which is B and just south of 14th Street. Great jukebox. Very, very cool. I have never met anyone with as many, like, jukebox preferences. Yeah, that's, that's real cool. I love that. I love the old jukeboxes where, you know, it's like oh, flippy. And it's like a certain... The songs are sort of specific, like, you know, there are digital jukeboxes all over, which yeah. is what Lucy's has. And I don't like that, because anyone could play any song. Yeah. And it might not be, like, appropriate for the bar. Like, I love I a good, that. you know, like, yeah. I like that a real traditional jukebox where it's, like, the flippy pages. They've picked, these are the songs we're willing to hear. And often, it's like a dive bar, so I love it. It's often a lot of old Motown, which is my favorite. And maybe old Motown, but also new cool stuff. But, like, you're never going to hear, like... Some lame top 40, you know, yeah. like you're gonna hear cool stuff, you I know. Like, I like the curatorial sense that it takes to develop a jukebox versus just essentially Spotify that you can put a dollar into. Yeah, it's great. So many bars in Boston now have those like electronic, like touchscreen things, and I'm like, this song shouldn't be playing right now. Like, this is like, um, have you been to the dugout in Boston? It's where the Mendoza line is. That oh, when did I do that? A few months ago. Great show. Yeah. But yeah, that's a kind of a weird bar. Huh? Yeah, is it, I went to BU, so like I also drank and did homework there. Okay. But like, yeah, it is weird to have like Britney Spears playing in like <laughs> the bar now is popular or not popular, but like their claim to fame is that in um, Manchester by the Sea, the guy is wearing a shirt from this bar. Yeah, yeah, he's wearing a dugout 1934 shirt, and I was like, is that the bar right down the my, my school bar yeah so um but yeah that's like a depressing fucking movie <laughs> and they've got all these signs about it and then in the background someone's playing like top 40 like oh who's that chick who can't hold her neck up ariana grande like yeah that's so crazy i love dumb trivia like that like do you remember in field of dreams there's one scene where kevin Costner's character has to go to boston to like talk to the doc guy or something like and it's so obviously not filmed in Boston, but instead they have, like, a Celtics, like, mural on the wall of the gas station, and then a guy in, like, a Red Sox hat, you know, they're like, see, to that Boston, you know, it's like, oh, my God. But I guess it kind of is, you know. Oh. I, um, I went to a bar this week. They looked at my license, which is Massachusetts state license, and they're like, you can't come in unless you denounce all Boston sports scenes. <laughs> That's hilarious. And as if you'd be like, okay, you know, yeah, my, today I was talking to my landlord and, you know, he's like a Yankees fan, he's wearing a Yankees hat. And so, you know, he was like, oh, cause we'd never really like had a sit down conversation, with, you know, so he's like, where are you from? And I was like, I grew up in the Boston area. And I immediately go, I'm like, so I'm a Red Sox fan. And literally, as I'm saying it, he goes, so have you switched over to the Yankees yet? You know, and I was like, no. I'm like, why would I? Like, 
you're born into this thing and you stay with it, you know? Man. It's great. Okay. Um, so this is a question I ask everyone on my podcast. And feel free to take your time. But either a scoop for the podcast, something people wouldn't expect about you, or like a deep, dark secret. Yeah. project I'm working on that I haven't really talked about much. Okay, I'll talk about this, um, even though it's an essay that I'm still, like, pitching, so please, no one listen to this, steal it from me. Okay. But I've been thinking a lot lately about the idea of, you know, how it's, I feel like, you know, right now it's pretty, like, people love using the word thirsty to me, you know, like, which I think is sort of funny, um, but I was thinking about the idea of, like, pitching an essay about the idea of, like, kind of in defense of thirsty gals, just because I think... I think it often can be so, I don't know, it really like demonizes and demonizes the person for like, I don't know, knowing what they want and working yeah. toward it, you know, and yeah. I've been thinking about it a lot lately in the context of dating, just because, you know, yeah. it's where I am, and I feel like everyone's always giving you dumb, unsolicited advice of like, just remember that you'll only find a partner when you, as soon as you decide you don't care and you stop no, looking, and it's like, fuck you, yeah, like, yeah, like, if I wanted a job, would I be like, guess I'll just not have a job and hope the universe, you know, like, no, I think there's nothing wrong with, you know, taking steps to make what you want in your life happen, you know, and so I really resent the whole idea, and I've been sort of noodling on it in many aspects of, like, the whole idea of, like, oh, so-and-so's thirsty, because it's like, don't shame anyone for working hard or being enthusiastic or focused, you know, and I was thinking about it, too, even, like, I remember when I was in college, I was in a sorority, which is probably not surprising, um, but that, like, often during a rush, the girls who, like, really wanted it and were very eager, some sisters would be like, mm, I don't know. Like, that she wants this more than other people? Exactly, yeah. And then yeah. the girls who seemed like they were kind of on the fence and we weren't even sure if they liked us, often they would have, like, a mystique about them. And it was so weird to me because I was like, okay, the girls who really want it, sure, maybe some of them are, like, a little intense, but there are going to be the people who are willing to be the president and yeah. do the dirty work or be the pledge master. And, do, you know, like, they're going to be willing to be part of it yeah. and not just be, like, cool and hang out, you know? Yeah. And I was thinking about it, too, in the context of Hillary's president or election, you know, I mean, a candidacy. Like, yeah. you know, she worked really hard. She prepared for the, like, debates, yeah. and somehow that's bad. Like, what? I mean, her resume is impeccable, right. and people didn't like her for that, you know, yeah. like, I don't know, so I've just been noodling on the whole idea, and I'm going to pitch it to a few different, like, magazines and online spaces um, of, yeah, just, like, in praise of the thirsty gal who actually does work pretty hard, you know? And, like, and what pressures me about thirsty as a term? Like, I only use thirsty about men. Like, I just say it about men because I feel like it is, like, oh, as a woman, like, wait, I can't. I'm supposed to be interested in you, but I can't be too interested because then I'm thirsty. And yeah, exactly. God forbid that like I want you. <laughs> like, what do you want me to be happy that I do? I know, I know. I mean, just all that like bullshit dancing of like being too cool and being blasé and being unimpressed. Like, I've just never had time for that. Like, I'm a very enthusiastic person generally, and like if I'm into something, I'm into it. And like, I'm not gonna be like. Mm. And I think also it's often a very New York thing. Like. People here, I mean, you could build a rocket ship, but with your bare hands out of, like, this pizza and this glass of wine, and people would be like, okay, 
You know, it's like, oh my God, you're allowed to think that's cool. Yeah. You know, like, good God, must we blase ourselves to death? Like, I, I just think it's so lame, you know? Yeah. That sounds like a really cool project. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I mean, uh, I don't know. I've, I tend to noodle on stuff and then, and I will pitch it, but in the summer it's hard because like, you know, I work Monday through Friday. So yeah. sometimes like the only time I could work on this is the weekends, but like, I want to sit at the beach and drink beer, you know? So we'll see. Maybe I'll get to it in the fall. Nice. Yeah. Or, or drag your laptop to Cody. I don't know. Like, yeah. There's sand in my keyboard. That'd be terrible. I'm like, do you have a spray can of air? <laughs> yes. As they keep in all hot dog places. Exactly. I'm glad they do. That's a nice thing. Oh, man. Fantastic. So where should people look for you, your writing, your comic? Yes, it's all, everything's connected to my website, which is at selenacopic.com, S-E-L-E-N-A-C-O-P-P-O-C-K. Um, and my Twitter is selenacopic, my Instagram is selenacopic. Also, I have an album recording coming up. Yeah, I'm doing, I know, yeah, I should have talked about that, maybe. I was like, no, what do we It's on a Wednesday, July 26th. It's here in New York. It's at the Duplex, upstairs. Uh, we have two shows. There's a... Oh, Selena, don't screw this up. There's a 7 o'clock show <laughs> and a 9.30 show. Um, my friend Chelsea White is going to be hosting. My friend George Gordon is going to be featuring. Yeah, this is so fun. Um, and, yeah, and the album's going to be coming out with Little Lamb Recordings, who is wonderful. It's the, uh, Jason Lamb and Shanali Bonick, and they are gems. Um, so I'm really excited. And, yeah, and I have um, – actually, I'll give you a flyer. I have some, like, ridiculous – also, I have a flyer on Facebook where it's a glamour shot photo. Oh, glamour shots. Who knew? They're still around. And they <laughs> – yeah, nice. yeah. My my co-producer of my other show, Bitchcraft. I run sort of a quarterly show, which is a variety show, stand-up storytelling. Our next Bitchcraft is July tenth, I believe, um, and that's really fun. And also, that's all of this is on my website too, so you can see all the listings. Um, but yeah, I have some good stuff going on in July, and I'm really excited to finally record an album. It's been, you know, I've been at it this a long time, so I can't believe I haven't done one yet. But it'll be great, guys. So many places to check her out. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, and uh, go to our show the album recording. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks so much.